Yes, Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Thank you for your love, how great thou art. Thank you today you're doing great things in the earth. Thank you today for your presence in this place. Thank you today, dear God, that from the bottom of our heart, help us always to give you praise. And we thank you for these that have been mentioned. We pray for each one, the healing that's needed, the deliverance, the strength, the power, maybe the restoration. Certainly, we need to be restored. And we thank you today that you're doing great things in this congregation. Lord, our connection here in the community, League City and beyond, goes way beyond what we would imagine. And we're letting our light shine because, Lord, today many people are walking in darkness and they don't realize it. Dear God, we have opportunities. And that is to allow the light of Christ to shine through us. And dear Lord, drive that darkness out. So help us to love if we never loved before because we can't do that. We ask your spirit to love through us. And dear Lord, help us to reach out and be bold. But also, Father, today that all our conversations would be seasoned with grace. But that we may proclaim the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless us now. Speak to us. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. How big is your God? We're talking about issues in the earth today and we're seeing things happen. And we were talking about last week, where is God when earthquakes happen? And where's God in all this tumult, chaos, and all this stuff going on? Well, we obviously, we came to the conclusion God is right here. God is right in the middle. Not that he causes it, but he is with us. And he can solve any problem we have. He's big enough. But today we want to talk about how big is your God. And when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 and 30. And we're talking about faith. Kind of three quarters of the way back, close to the end of the New Testament. And you see Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29 and 30. Two verses. By faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. And when the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. And by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being encircled by the Israelites for seven days. How big is your God? A little story here. It was six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl. God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second feeling of the tusk cried, Ho, oh, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp, to me, tis mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, Thus boldly up and spake, I say, quote he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quote he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, Even the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can, this marvel of an elephant 
is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quote he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his opinion exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right, and all were in the wrong. What is God like? You know, in our own way, we would say, well, you know, he's like this, and he's like that, and all. And we would probably all, in one way or another, be pointing to who God is. But certainly, we would have a differences here. But we know God is spirit. And yet, we know through his word and through his son, Jesus Christ, that we know who he is. And Jesus revealed the Father to us when he came and walked on this earth. And so, if I'd ask you about this particular chapter here in Hebrews, You'd say, well, Jim, the 11th chapter of Hebrews is like the, the uh, heroes of the faith in the Bible here. Or it's about great events that took place in the Bible here. And then other, a more spiritual answer, it would be, in, you would say, well, it's about faith here. Certainly it is. But you see here in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, the focus is upon God himself. And the writer wants us to get an understanding of what God is like. The men of Indostan, they were trying to figure out. They were blind. They couldn't fully see that elephant there. And they had different things they would say. But you see here, God wants us to know what our God is like. Or the writer wants us to know what our God is like. It's most importantly to know and understand here who God is. And that he is much bigger than any of the biggest elephants who's ever walked on this earth here. But God has given us some help to enable us to understand him. A little story here is, Mommy, what does God look like? Asked five-year-old Timmy as he put down his peanut butter sandwich and took a big swallow of milk. Well, God is a spirit. And we can't see him in the same way that we can see people, his mother began, not knowing quite where to go from there. But if you can't see him... How do we know what he's like, he persisted. Well, suppose you were blind, she suggested to Timmy. Would you be able to see your father, for instance? And he shook his head, no. But would you know what daddy is like? And he thought for a moment and then vigorously nodded his head. Yes, you'd know what daddy is like by the things he says and the things that he does, wouldn't you? And he nodded again. And we know what God is like, too, by the things he says in his word and the things that he does and has done. And you know that daddy loves you because he would tell you so and do everything he could for you. And that's how God loves us too. He tells us so. And he has given us so much that that we can have a wonderful life. But most of all, he sent Jesus Christ into the world to die for our sins. And we know what he's like. We know that his love is everlasting. We know that his love goes from generation to generation. We know that our God doesn't change. In the book of Micah, the Bible says that I am the, the, the Lord and I don't change here. And when the writer of this chapter tells us about Abraham, his goal is not to get us to marvel about how great a, a faith that Abraham had here. His goal is to get us to see how great a God we serve. Abraham worshiped. And we read about Noah building the ark and he doesn't want us to focus upon the fact of 
Noah's carpentry skills. Rather, he wants us to focus on a God who mercifully rescued mankind through Noah. He wants us to picture who he is, and he wants our picture to be that we serve a big, big God, a God that overcomes problems for us, a God that can do anything here. And the bigger your understanding of God is, the easier it is for you to trust him. When you come to your big problems in your life, we were just talking about all the issues that we have in our lives. We need to understand how big our God is because once we have a big understanding of who God is, our faith will be strong and our trust will be certainly in Jesus and him alone here. Our focus is to be on the God who caused the event here. And as we look at these events, we've got to ask ourselves, what does this event teach me about God? These two events, the crossing of the Israelites through the Red Sea and there the walls of Jericho falling down. So let's look at it first of all. The first event is certainly is when the Israelites were there facing the Red Sea. You remember the story. They had gone through 10 earth-shattering plagues and the Israelites were now freed from their slavery in Egypt. They had begun the journey into their new way of life and carrying on the bones of Joseph just as he had instructed several hundred years before. They headed out with excitement, anticipation, and joy. They were leaving Egypt. They were coming out of bondage. And it's symbolic of the certainly the deliverance from bondage that you and I received when we received Jesus Christ into our lives. We've been freed from that. And we know this is symbolic. And so it's very important to understand that. But the joy there quickly turned to fear. As they journeyed, they encountered an obstacle, the Red Sea. It was impenetrable. It was impossible. It was insurmountable. And how did they expect to get up over a million people across the sea? They didn't have much time to worry about this problem because they saw the dust being kicked up by the Egyptian army right behind them. They were nipping at their heels there. They had that army and it was a powerful army. Pharaoh had quickly realized the consequences to his nation when they, don't, they didn't have the slaves like they had. Obviously, their, their work production went down because the uh, Israelites were doing all the things that a slave would do here. And the question is, have you ever been caught between a rock and a hard place? The Israelites were caught between the sea and Pharaoh's hard heart. And this quote, from all they could see, they were trapped and there was no escape. And at first, the people lost heart. They complained against Moses. They were fearful. They were going to die. They said being a slave was better than being dead. But Moses responded to them with these words. And he said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Exodus chapter 14. And then God told Moses the next step in the plan. He told him to take his staff and hold it over the Red Sea. And then he told Moses that he was going to divide the Red Sea so that the Israelites could walk over on dry land. Well, Moses obeyed. And God did just as he promised. All night long, God sent a wind in to hold the sea back, but also to dry up the seabed to where the Israelites could march across. Can you imagine? It was over a million people and they were going to cross over. This actually happened. 
A lot of your liberal theologians say basically that the Red Sea was sort of like a stream or whatever. No, it was a mighty body of water. This was a miracle that God was doing here. And we know that obviously they were being nipped on their heels right by the Egyptian army. The Egyptian army was right there. So what did God do? He took a cloud and put between the Egyptian army and the Israelites there to where the Egyptian army couldn't see the Israelites at all. You see, God did everything for these people. Because why? Because our God is a big God. Because our God fulfills the promises that he has for you and for me. And also during that time for, for his people, the Israelites there. On the Egyptian side of that wall, it was dark because of the cloud. But on the Israelite side of the wall, it was light. God provided the light. He made it possible to go across the sea. Why was that? I believe it was because he wanted the people to see that he was holding the water back. It was light enough for the people to see a miracle that was taking place right in front of their eyes. And they were walking across. They were fearful. And now they have seen a miracle. God don't they know that they fully down in their hearts. They understood we serve a big God. Somebody There's got to be more going back. You know, our God can deliver us from whatever problem it is that we're facing today. No matter what it is. No matter what challenge, it could be financial, it could be family-related, it could be job-related, it could be many different things. And yet our God is big enough to deliver us. Moses said, stand still and see the deliverance of the Lord. And that's what he asked you and I to do also. We'll do that. We'll stand still and see the deliverance of God. And when we stand still, we pray. We seek the Lord. But we don't get fretful. We're not fearful because God has promised that he would be with us, that he would carry us through the storms of life, that he would help us. Even in this nation today where we know that we're buffeted on different sides because of the potential for a terrorist attack, there's potential for an economic collapse. There's potential for all these things we know that we don't even sometimes even want to think about because they're so bad, that our God can deliver us we are his children. We are his people. And he'll guide us through as we have faith in him. So just as soon as the water had been divided, the Israelites started their journey across. And the Bible records that there's a wall of water on their left and a wall of water on their right. It had to have been an awe-inspiring experience. The people had no guarantee except for God's word that he wouldn't change his mind or forget them. Their minds and their experience told them that the wall of water was going to come crashing down on them any moment. But God's word was enough for them to step out into that riverbed, into that seabed, and walk across on dry land, actually. You know, if you th think about it today, we see certain circumstances and our mind tells us, oh, this is going to be devastating. This is horrible. This is going to be the worst thing in my life that can happen today. But on the other side of that, you see our heart by faith and believing our God can see us through whatever it is. That's what happened with these people. They were seeing, and their minds, I'm sure, were twirling there, but they believed God's word, and they were delivered. We know for the faithful, God's word is always enough. And when the Israelites had almost completed the crossing, God removed the barrier that had kept the Egyptians at bay. 
And they saw for the first time with stunned eyes what was going on. But instead of realizing that they were up against God, the Egyptians, who was too big for them, they began to obviously go into. The Egyptians got into the middle of the sea there. and Actually, God sent and actually removed and tore off the wheels of over 600 wheels there, of the chariots there. They couldn't get out. And then God allowed the waters to come in on them. It was too late for them. And you know the Israelites standing on the other side there on dry land. They realized that God had brought them through. That God had delivered them. That God had set them free here. The whole entire Egyptian army had been killed on that day. But on that day the Israelites saw that their God was bigger than their enemy. Bigger than their problems or obstacles and bigger than any of them. Listen to this. And when the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant, Exodus chapter 14. Their God got a lot bigger in their own eyes and their willingness to put their trust in him got equally as big. And when you have a big God, it's easy to have faith in him, isn't it? The second event here, which I really love also, is the walls of Jericho. For 40 years had passed between verse 29 and verse 30 here as we read it of Hebrews 11. And the people of God had evidenced, uh, experienced actually very little faith while they existed out in the wilderness. In fact, they had manifested gross unbelief. They didn't believe God. With grumbling, they were discontent. They were uh, had idolatry there. And when the Egypt Israelites approached Canaan, the land that had been promised to Abraham over 500 years earlier, Moses, you know the story, sent 12 spies to find out what kind of land it was and what it was all about and how big the enemy was. And on their return, they reported that the land was good, but the people were really big and huge. In fact, they said, we're like grasshoppers. You know, they were seeing these people and all, and they had forgotten that God had promised them that they would go into the promised land if they were obedient and they trusted him. All of a sudden, they got afraid and they had forgotten about how big their God was. Very quickly, isn't it? They saw a miracle happen there at the Red Sea, and yet they had turned to their unbelief and, and their idolatry there and became fearful. And that's what happens to us today. We see our problem and we begin to rationalize it. We know God is with us and we know that God's saying, I'll take you through this storm. And yet we rationalize it. And before long, fear grips our hearts to where we're shaking in our boots. We can't do anything. You know, we watch the news sometimes and we watch it over and over and over again. And I'll give you a good example. And don't get me wrong in what I'm getting ready to say because we need this. But what did the weather forecasters say when this storm just came up? I guess it was uh, it was coming in on Friday. You know, they we'd just gone through a storm there, and there was a lot of flooding. And they were talking about how bad this was going to be. It was going to add to, the obviously, the uh, the flood problems that we were having and, and all of this and happening. And evidently, it didn't happen. But if you'd listen to the TV and continue to look at that and allow those things to take root in your heart, I know that people all over this city were scared to death 
that we were going to have another massive flood or it was going to add to what had already happened here over about two weeks ago. We allow these things to happen. We fill our minds with all these things. Nothing wrong with knowing what the weather is going to be like. But when we continue to hit, we continue to, to watch it or maybe ponder it and we see somehow what happens is we listen to them and they impart a spirit of fear into your life and my life also. And we forget to go to God and say, Lord, we're going to be okay because we're in your hand. And you see that it's not wrong to be cautious. And it's not wrong to obviously to take uh, and be prepared. It's not wrong in that way. But if we go across, it's like a fine line. We step across that line and we become fearful today because it looks like that the storm is bigger than our God. And that storm is not bigger than our God. They saw those people in that in Canaan and they said, their people are huge. And we're like grasshoppers. It's the same way when we see problems over and over again. And we don't turn to God to ask Him for His help, for His wisdom. They become huge. I'm not going to make it. I can't go through this. What happens when we say that is we've forgotten how big a God that we serve here. Obviously, you know what happened here in this particular situation there is that God told the people to march around. They, they obviously went through the Jordan River again. They put their foot in the Jordan and the Jordan separated just like it did in the Red Sea. And they all marched across because the other generation had not believed God died off. And so this was a new generation. And they were believing God. And so here we go with Joshua. He's leading. And God is saying, going in, taking the land. And so they did. And they marched across the Jordan River. And they marched on. Now, that wasn't their only obstacle. Actually, the city of Jericho that was fortified by these huge walls. Actually, they believe it was over three stories high. And actually, the wall was thick enough to have two chariots at the top that could race around the walls. It was a large city. What did God tell them to do? He told them, he said, march around the wall six times, just quietly, march around the walls. Can you imagine a million people marching around the wall? And they marched around, and he said there on the seventh time around, he said, march around seven times, and at the end of the seventh time, he said, shout. And the walls will come down. Now, to my pea mind, country boy mind, that's ludicrous. March around the walls. Be obedient to God when nothing intellectually makes sense. And yet that's what God told him to do. He said, march around six times and then on the seventh time, go around it seven times, and on the end of the seventh time, shout, and the walls are going to come down. And that's exactly what happened. To me, I'm thinking, Lord, did I hear you right? <laughs> Can you imagine? Did I hear what you said? Don't we need to take up some type of weapons here? You know what was happening during that time when they were going around six times? There wasn't even, obviously, the smallest crack in the walls. But when the seventh time came and they marched around it seven times and shouted, the whole thing collapsed. Now you say, is this a myth? What is it? No, this actually happened. This is the word of God. This is true. 
Because they had faith in God. They saw they had a big God. It didn't make sense to them. You know, sometimes when God tells me to do something, I don't know the end result. I don't know where it's going to take me. But because when I step out in faith, God Almighty, it's like it moves the heart of God. And we get see things happen. We see miracles happen today. And to my natural mind, it doesn't make sense. What would have happened if the people there had only marched around the wall six times? Well, you know what was happening. Their feet were getting sore, weren't they? Their legs were getting. This is a big city. They're marching around the city. Don't you know if they'd marched around there only six times, the walls would not have come down. When God asks you and me to be obedient, he wants total obedience. When we're totally obedient, no matter how much we understand or don't understand, is that we see the hand of God do mighty things. Let me tell you. And I'm talking to somebody here today. In fact, I'm talking to everybody. In fact, I'm talking to myself. You see, when I step out in obedience, when Lighthouse Fellowship steps out in obedience to God Almighty because they've heard from God, they have a word from God through His written word or by the Rema word of God, then I know God's going to do exactly what He says He's going to do and He's going to show Himself big and mighty and strong. So no problem in this place today is too big for God. Don't you agree with that? No, no problem. It's too big. He can do this. You see, this is a faith chapter that speaks of who God is because the more you know how big God is, the bigger your faith will be in Him. We pray for people's salvation. We pray for people's healing. We pray for people's deliverance. We pray for people to receive financial help. We pray for people, whatever the issue may be. We see miracles, don't we? We see God doing mighty things today, okay? Because you see, the test of faith is trusting God when all we have are His promises. When the waters are piled high all around us and the problems and dangers are about to overwhelm us, this is when our faith is tested. And when the Lord takes special pleasure in showing us His faithfulness, His love, and His power. Now, number one, and what it shows us. God is big enough to break down walls that separate and build walls that nothing can penetrate. A little girl last night, she's four years old. She raised her hand when they were having testimonies. And she said, she's four years old. Really small, she raised her hand and they called on her. And she said, because they were saying, what are you thankful for? Just like Jerry brought up this morning. What are you thankful for today? And she raised, she said, I'm thankful for God's protection. And I look, hear this little, little kiddo was saying, she's thankful for God's protection. You see, God is big enough to protect you and me. If by chance, we have to go through the beginning of the tribulation or whatever your particular theology is, or, uh, background. If We have to go through some challenges. I believe before this is over with, there'll be persecution that will take place more than what we've seen in the church today. When you stand for your faith in Jesus Christ, I think we're already seeing it. You will have to stand. 
And you have to realize that our God is big enough to protect us. Our God is big enough to protect us and to build up those walls that nothing can penetrate. Our God is big enough here. God saying today is that in Romans chapter 8, for I am persuaded when Paul writes that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He is convinced. Nothing can separate us from the love of God here. And God is the only wall who can adequately protect us here. Our bank account can't, our job can't, our skills can't, our family can't, because they're nothing in comparison to the wall that God can place around you and I as we place our confidence in him. But God also destroys the walls that separate. God obviously breaks those walls down. And you know what? I heard somebody say long ago, is that God offends our minds so that we can see what's in our hearts. God offends our minds so that we can see what's in our hearts. Because you see, our God doesn't always do what we think he should do. Our God doesn't always act like what we think he should act or the way we sometimes preconceive that he's going to act. His ways are not our ways. And his thoughts, are not our thoughts. He is God and we're not. But we know how big he is. And he loves to show himself faithful in delivering us and doing these things. Obviously, he's tore down the walls that separated us from one another and allowed us to love and accept one another. In Ephesians 2, for he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall or partition between us here. He's torn down the walls of racism. He's torn down the walls of class distinction. He's torn down the walls of an age difference. One of the things that you hear, first of all, is that uh, about racism today. You see this. A lot of people would say that, you know, well, if you're not the same color I am, then uh, obviously you're, you're not quite up to me. Or if you don't speak like I speak, or if you don't look like I look, or if you don't act like I lacked and all that. And you see, the cross tears that down. And we see people the way Jesus sees people. And we love you the way God loves. He tears down that wall of separation. He can do that, and he's big enough to do it. But if we don't know Jesus, we see people still walking in that darkness, don't we? He tears down those walls. He brings about reconciliation. That's what he does so well. And you see, the people of God at this time didn't have great fighting skills, but they had a great God, and the walls came down. Maybe you feel like you're nothing in God's army. Maybe you feel like, well, Jim, I'm just a private. Okay? You may be just a private, and that may be exactly what you are, but who do you have as your commander-in-chief? Is he big enough to take you through this battle that you're in? Is he big enough to overcome those things that we know that we face every day? And as Christians today, he didn't promise us a rose garden. 
He just said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The second thing, God is big enough to only be limited by the obedience of his people. A lot of things limit Jim Barclay. My age, obviously my skills, my whatever it may be, a lot of things uh, limit me. But there's only one thing that limits our God, and that is the obedience of his people. If we're not obedient, he says, I'll let you have your way. If you don't believe me, then I'll let you have your way. But if you'll be obedient and trust me, you see, these people here again could have stopped on the sixth time. and That would have been it. Okay. The walls would not have come down. They said, I'm tired. You see, in the Christian life today, sometimes you go, well, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm tired. I, I got to sleep in and all that. And we do need our rest. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to serve the Lord in this because I'm too tired. I'm too old. I can't do it. I don't have the gifts for that. I can't do it. I know God's calling me, but I can't do it. You see, the only thing that limits God's power is our lack of obedience. The only thing. If we're obedient and these people were obedient, and don't you know it was ludicrous them walking, marching around the walls and shouting and carrying on. And yet the walls fell down. You want to see the miracles of God, then be obedient to the Lord. He will show you himself big and mighty here. Obviously, God is not limited to doing things a certain way. Militarily, the seven days of marching demanded nothing. But psychologically, they demanded a great deal of courage. The effort appeared utterly preposterous. It would have been easier to fight than to have faith. Because if we have fight, we will at least have a certain respect from the world, even if we lose. But faith always looks foolish in the eyes of the world, doesn't it? <laughs> you said, what? You believe what? You believe in your God here? You got to get out and you better start fighting here. And you see, we want to look good in the eyes of the world. And yet God's saying, no, stand still and see the deliverance that I'm going to bring. Believe me, pray, get on on your knees and pray and seek God's faith today. Because we know, obviously, today, it looks foolish to the world, but we're not of the world. Obviously, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Be obedient no matter what. And we're going to see the walls fall down. I believe as the church is being obedient, we're going to see the walls in Houston, Texas fall down. I believe we're going to see the walls in the United States of America come down. America come down. I believe as we're obedient, you say, yeah, but we're just a ragtag bunch of followers of Jesus. Okay? Yeah, we are. But you see today, that's what God's looking for. Just a ragtag bunch of believers saying, Lord, I just want to be used by you. I just want to be I may not see the results, but I'm going to follow you. Because you said to step out and see the deliverance of the Lord. That's what it's all about. The third thing is God is big enough to have the power to defend his people. He defended them. The word of God, the promises here, 
And God is big enough to be true to His promises even when His people are not true to theirs. The same people who by faith passed through the Red Sea died in the wilderness because why? Lack of faith. That God could enable them to take the land. We know that, obviously. But obviously God remains unchanged even when His people do change. What did God say? Well, I'm done with you. No, He took the next generation of believing people and he marched across the Jordan River. And the walls of Jericho fell down. Isn't that good? Even when we are not faithful, our God is faithful. Even when we sometimes stumble and fall, and we're not obedient, we know we get back up again, and we know God is saying, come on, I'm going to help you this next time, just like I was there. Just trust me. Just be obedient to me. The people who encountered Jericho were a totally different generation than those who left Egypt and had crossed the Red Sea. We know one missionary to China, her name is Gladys Allward. She was forced to flee from the Japanese invading Yangqing, but she could not leave her work behind. With only one assistant, she led more than a hundred orphans over the mountains towards free China. And in her book, The High Hidden Price of Greatness, one the author said, during Gladys's harrowing journey out of the war-torn Yangqing, she grappled with despair as never before. After passing a sleepless night, she faced the morning with no hope of reaching safety. A 13-year-old girl in the group reminded her of their much-loved story of Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea. She said, but I'm not Moses. <laughs> and of course you're, you aren't, the girl said, but Jehovah is still God. And when Gladys and the orphans made it through, they proved once again that no matter how inadequate we feel, God is still God and we can trust Him. What caused the Red Sea to part? Was it because of a lot of people? Was it because maybe we uh, used positive thinking? Or somehow did this? No, God caused it to part. What caused the Jordan to part? God caused it to part. What caused the walls of Jericho to fall down? God caused it to fall down. And I want to encourage you today, no matter what your obstacle is, no matter what particular test of your faith you're facing, is be obedient to God and trust Him because we serve a big God. Amen? We serve a big, big God. He's able. He is able. A little prayer. Maybe we can pray. Y'all have heard it before. It's like God speaking to you. I am God. Today, I will be handling all your problems. Please remember that I don't need your help, just, just your obedience. If the devil happens to deliver a situation to you that you cannot handle, do not attempt to resolve it. Kindly put it in the something for Jesus to do box. It will be addressed in my time, not yours. Once the matter is placed into the box, do not hold on to it or attempt to remove it. Holding on removal to delay the res resolution of your problem. If it is a situation that you think you're capable of handling, please consult me in prayer to be sure that is the proper assumption. Because I do not sleep and I do not slumber. There's no need for you to lose any sleep over this problem that you're having. Rest, my child, 
If you need to contact me, I am only a prayer away. Love your big God. Amen. Put it in the box. Put it in God's hands and leave it there. Whatever it is today, no matter what your situation is today, is put it in God's hands. He will be the one that takes care of it. In regards to this, years ago, God touched my heart and spoke to me about something. When I pray with individuals, I or used to when I would pray with people, I would say, Lord, be with this person. Be with this person, Lord. And God redirected my prayer to pray like this. Lord, make them aware of your presence. Because see, reality is, Jesus is here today, right now. His spirit is here in this place. And so how do we somehow, maybe, what does that all mean? What it means is that you and I maybe should pray, Lord, make me aware of your presence more than I do. Let me be aware that you are with me. Because you see, when you're aware of God's presence, You'll see how big a God you have. Let me be aware. Even, Lord, manifest your presence in situations that I face in my life that kind of like even the tangible presence of the Lord where you kind of like a holy hush. Maybe sometimes you just, when you're praying, it's kind of like a peace comes over you. That's the manifest presence of the Lord. Maybe when you pray and you realize that maybe the words you're praying are not your words, that it's actually God speaking and praying through you and you can really sense that and experience that, that is the tangible, manifest presence of the Lord because He is here. And when you sit down to pray, or every moment of every day, we're actually walking in the presence of the Lord. We're never out of His presence. You know the story in Genesis 28 where Jacob the angels were ascending and descending there on the ladder. And remember what he said? He said, uh, surely God was in this place and I didn't realize it. It's the way we are. Surely God is with us. And we didn't realize it. I can pray in the morning. Sometimes there are gaps there. I want to encourage you to do something. And I don't know how you can do it. When maybe an idea comes up, but we'll, we'll talk about it is maybe a sticky note or something, somewhere where you will see it on a regular basis, is go back. And maybe you can say, Lord, I've kind of drifted over here because I'm busy. I'm busy over here. I, I need to come back. I need to have my heart attuned to you again and come back. And you may want to say, and sometimes during the day, I'll just say, Lord, I love you. I love you. I praise you. And come back during that time to realize you're in His presence, and I'm in His presence every moment of every day. Surely God was there, and I didn't realize it. But Jacob did. And what happens is, when, that ha when you practice that, and you remember an old book, Brother Lawrence, he wrote years ago, and I, anybody read it, you can get it. It's, a, it, it's, it's real old, many years ago. 
And it's entitled, Practice in the Presence of God. He was washing dishes. And he talked to the Lord. He realized he was in God's presence all the time. And what happens is, it enlarges your heart, so to speak, that you'll see how big a God we have. I encourage you to do that throughout the day. I'm going to put sticky notes up at different places. And just something to click my mind. Lord, I'm coming back. Let me attune my heart with yours again. Because I, I'm, I'm the worst. I'll, I'm drifting all over the place. You know, the real thrust of all we're saying today is God's longing to have a relationship with you and me. And that we would know him in the intimate depths of our hearts. Because when you do know the intimacy that God wants with you and with me, you realize how big a God we serve. That's the wonderful thing about our God. Each and every day, walking, you're never alone. You never have to fight your battles. What do we do? We pray. We seek the Lord. And we know God can do so much more from that little whispered prayer that you pray than all the fighting that you can do. But you see, the world teaches us to fight. The world teaches us to struggle. And God said, no. I'm teaching you how to surrender. Let's pray together. Thank you for your word, your truth, O oh Lord. And thank you today that you are here. And we bless what you're doing here, Father. We bless what you're doing in the lives of every person in this place and those that are not with us. We bless that in Jesus' name. And dear Lord, we're asking you not to stop. We're asking you to do a work here in my heart, in the hearts of those who've attended. They love you. We love you. And dear Lord, we pray that maybe in one way or another, in our own way, we can be aware of your presence each and every day. That you would manifest your presence in this place, oh God. And dear Lord, we thank you today. You're doing just that. And we bless you. And we praise you. We thank you, Lord, today. We have a relationship with you. We thank you today. We're not alone. No matter what the issue is, no matter what the problem. God is with me. The Spirit of the Lord is always with us. And so, Lord, help us really fall in love with you. To have that intimate, deep-down relationship with your wonderful Son, Jesus. And it's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's stand for the benediction.